0: You're listening to Legal Skinny Podcast with Trisha Burrida. I'm a 15-year licensed practicing attorney in the state of Texas. I created Legal Skinny because when I've been invited to do educational seminars on different subjects in employment law, employers and HR professionals would often ask me, where can they find out a little more information on this or a little more information on that? Look, I get it, there's a lot of resources out there, but sometimes it's confusing and people are so busy. Sometimes people have only 30 or 15, or maybe even five minutes in their day to devote to learning something new. On this podcast, you'll hear me have discussions and interviews on topics relevant to employers. Disclaimer though, legal skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and doesn't create an attorney-client relationship. Also remember, laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you. Okay, so I'm back with part two, should employers mandate vaccines? So, if you've not listened to part one on this discussion that I had, you may want to jump back to podcast episode 29 to get my kind of initial thoughts on this. There's actually been uh, more buzz and drama since even that podcast came out surrounding the vaccine. I've been reading, as many of you may have also been reading all about this, or you may know individuals, or you yourself are in one of these coveted categories eligible for the vaccine and have experienced the supply and demand issue, or should I say the no supply and demand issue? (laughs) I'm just kidding. So, uh, but no, seriously, this is pretty wild. My husband likened it to people trying to get the new Xbox. I guess he's right. Or remember, you know, the new iPhones when Steve Jobs would have his like big release days and people would stand outside the stores in New York or, or across the country desperately waiting to get their hands on the new iPhone. I, I went one of those days to not, not, not when Steve jobs was alive, but to trying to get a new iPhone on, on release day. And, uh, I didn't really even understand all of the standing in line. And there were people standing around me that told me they had done this, like every time there was a new iPhone release for years and years. So it was like tradition, but needless to say, I, you know, uh, this standing in line, um, for a vaccine, well, that's just new. You know, we haven't really seen Americans standing in line for a vaccine, at least here in the, in the present day era. I think in uh, Los Angeles, they were wrapped around Dodger Stadium for hours waiting to get the vaccine. So yes, this is different. And, and it feels different and as it should. There's lots of blame, you know, being thrown around in the press about what uh, the reason there are issues for the no supply and demand problem, uh, you know, I guess we could place all kinds of blame on, you know, maybe the old administration, the failures of the states to have better plans on the rollout to not waste the current doses they've been giving. You know, some some people are blaming the drug companies uh, that are developing the vaccine and, you know, but one fact remains, there are an estimated 329 to 331 million people in the United States population currently, according to recent U.S. census and other reports. That's a lot of people. And that is less than 5% of the total world population trying to get their hands on this vaccine. I mean, am I the only one who's surprised there's a shortage? Really think that through. This is the Xbox that the whole world wants, including a lot of people in America increasingly every day, it becomes more clear, at least to me, that this will take time to make this available to a large part of the United States population. And while there's still an overwhelming feeling of individuals who desperately want this vaccine, there are many of those on the fence. Go ahead. You don't have to tell me if you're one of those people secretly wanting to see some of this play out with the rest of the population in a sort of Darwinism, Lord of the Flies, survivor episode type of way. And then, of course, we have a whole group of people that that want nothing to do with it. Okay, but don't worry, got some news here. You may have already seen this, but uh, Amazon wrote a letter to the president offering to step in and help sort this whole thing out. So, yes, you heard me right. With a, 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 we have a brand-new president, and Amazon has now said, look, I'm Amazon, the nation's second-largest employer, and, and, you know, um, we're going to be a resource to aid the federal government and new new administration specifically um, in this issue of and, and their goals to vaccinate Americans in a faster, more efficient way, right? So why is Amazon doing this buying to be a resource? Well, in the letter, Amazon states Amazon stands ready to assist you in reaching your goal of vaccinating 100 million Americans in the first hundred days of your administration. And we have an agreement in, pay- in place with a licensed third-party occupational healthcare provider to administer vaccines on-site in our Amazon facilities. We're prepared to move quickly once vaccines are available. Additionally, we are prepared to leverage our operations, information technology, and communication capabilities and expertise to assist your administration's vaccination efforts. Our scale allows us to make a more meaningful impact in the fight against COVID-19, and we stand ready to assist you in this effort. But why? Well, if you read the letter that Amazon wrote to the president, it's not a long letter, by the way, it's a one pager. Uh, Amazon's very interested. It's pretty clear from the letter in having their eight hundred thousand employees, especially those they consider essential workers, you know, out and about working at the Amazon fulfillment centers, the AWS data centers, and the Whole Food Market stores, to receive the COVID nineteen vaccine. So. You know from the letter and you read this whole thing together i'm guessing they think if they volunteer to help you know and while they you know all the intentions may be all good you know it may move their people to the front of the line to get the vaccine which is something that clearly is a priority from them and you know reading this letter and i'm not hating on amazon look i like my prime packages like the rest of you so you know so much that amazon now has you know Made me feel frustrated and mad for paying uh, what would be really normal shipping charges for any other sort of online site, right? They they look for an edge. they, They know how to persuade and, you know, I'll give them that. So where does that leave the rest of my employers? If Amazon's doing it, shouldn't you? Okay, so you may not be sure yet. So let's talk about who else is interested in fighting to get this vaccine to their workforce. I'm seeing three main emerging industries debating the mandatory issue just right out in front of the public by uh, testing the waters, having, you know, leaders in the industry make statements. And I think they're trying to see, you know, are the employees going to go for this? Some of them have already made decisions, but I think it's important that you kind of understand uh, what I'm seeing, at least what's going on out there is that it's, uh, it's certainly, Clear that a lot of employers want the employees to get these vaccines, and if they're not looking at mandatory, you know, requirements, they're looking at potential incentivizations. And so, three of the industries I've seen really come right out on that are the airline industry, the food industry, and the retail industry. And, and that is no big surprise. These are t- three industries that were hugely hit, you know, by having workers be sick or because, imp- you know, uh, the public was scared. To go into their stores or to fly on their planes uh, or to eat their food because there were reports of breakouts uh, in, in their manufacturing um, or in their facilities where they were creating the food. So these are things that, you know, make sense that these industries are looking at. Well, how can we use this vaccine to kind of get us back to what they would, you know, consider? you know, a good place in the public size and kind of get some normality back so that the economic conditions in these industries can start to stabilize. Because right now, uh, especially in the airline industry, as you've seen, you know, it's been very, very unstable. And so when you're looking at all of that, um, let's talk about what specifically, you know, at least we've been seeing in, in the news. And these the incentives that are being sort of promoted as possibilities to give to employees. First of all, I'll talk about the mandatory. Uh, specifically, CNBC was reporting that United Airlines CEO Scott Kirby he came right out and says he has confidence in the vaccine. He is other um, would like to see other companies, along with United Airlines, uh, require the vaccine and make it mandatory. And one of the issues, you know that. Uh, I think that they're seeing certainly in the airline industry is that from state to state, you're having things like the categorizing of flight attendants be in different tiers as to whether or not they're essential. And so um, it it is a little frustrating to these sort of larger employers, multi-state employers having to vaccinate or attempt to vaccinate, you know, a workforce and and not being able to get the actual vaccines or not to, to get the priority in those states for those individual workers. And so, but the airline industry, it makes sense, you know, uh, CEO Scott Kirby makes some comments related to, you know, uh, thinking that this will make for a safer environment for the employees so that, you know, there will be less of a chance that the employees will be exposed to COVID-19 and and, and get sick and, um, and all the repercussions that come along with that. And so. That was kind of his his take. He didn't full out say it, but he certainly was leaning very, very, he's been leaning very heavily towards the mandatory and wanting to encourage the other people, at least in I think in his industry, for sure, he would like to see that. But also he mentioned the healthcare industry. Southwest Airlines, you know, reportedly not currently requiring it, but in, strongly encouraging. American Airlines has made some comments, it looks like from the report on, from CNBC, that looking at the broader picture of how they... They may need vaccines of certain employees, ultimately, because entry to and from certain destinations are going to require it, which is is definitely, you know, probably a possibility for all these airlines. Some employers are leaning towards making it easier or just incentivizing the employees. So the food company, Chobani, the, the yogurt, I love their yogurt, great yogurt. <laughs> uh, they're looking to give employees in the manufacturing plants, you know, up to six hours of paid time off to get the vaccinations. And um, retailers, Aldi, Dollar General, they've announced some similar plans to offer some extra pay. Uh, some of these employers are looking at how to bring on-site the vaccinations to make it super easy, so people don't have to worry about transportation and childcare and that kind of thing. And you know, as I said in my last podcast, you know, I think you do have some time if you're if you're a leader in a company, the employer, or, you know, of course. An HR professional thinking about the policies surrounding this and how are you going to get it together. But I do think you have to give yourself enough time that you have developed the policies and you've developed a rollout and some training. But let's go ahead and just talk about some of the positives and negatives. Why are these companies looking at this? What are, what is what is the clear positives? What are the potential <laughs> positives and negatives? Uh, that I you know I think certainly why they're testing the water is sort of chatting about it, like whether or not. They may do mandatory. What they think about it, you know, uh, some some employers probably are more pro that than others. I think a lot of employers, if you ask them if they had the choice, they would want it because the one of the most positives of having your workforce vaccinated is that, you know, in the public's eyes, your brand will be seen probably as as um, as having a if you if you deal with the public, then having a more. You know safe environment if you have all of your employees vaccinated. Now, of course, you're gonna always have your exceptions, and we'll be talking about that a little bit further into this podcast. But but you know, there's the positive of the public senior brand is, you know, putting safety of your workers and their safety as a priority. You know, of course the another big positive for employers is the having a healthier workforce, which means a more productive workforce. <laughs> so you know, constantly, if you've experienced the situation where you're, you've you been having a quarantine and send people home and 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 it has been very disruptive to the workforce and to the work being productive, then, then you know exactly what I'm talking about. Now, some of the negatives may be the public backlash if employees are very upset about vaccine mandates and they make a big deal about it. And that could be, you know, a PR issue. It could also be a culture um, issue within the company. Because of, there are a lot of unknown unknowns with the vaccine, so there's some employees that may not be comfortable being forced to get the vaccine, and some may be frustrated with the other employees that won't get the vaccine. So, you know, there even if you go voluntary and you don't go mandatory, you still may see this sort of uh, internal frustration going on in in your culture, and just naturally, you know because the vaccine, it has some controversy, of course, to it, right? Not everyone is on the same page about whether or not, you know, everyone needs to get it or who needs to get it and all of that. So now, another negative, I think, that definitely comes along with this for employers, HR professionals, is without good policies and training, there's, of course, some legal liabilities to navigate with the EOC's, you know, guidance, even voluntary or mandatory. There's definitely some pitfalls and issues that you could get into and trying to get that right and trying to avoid the retaliation issues. So if other employees are frustrated that some employees opted out of the vaccine and they see that as making the workplace unsafe for them or or other individuals, then, you know, there could be natural resentment that occurs and that could lead to more potential issues with retaliation. So being wary of all of that is going to be something that employers are going to have to understand if, if they do engage and, and decide to make a decision about even just, you know, offering this, even if it's not mandatory, offering the vaccine to the employees. So let's just run through what we know from the EEOC. Can an employer mandate employees to get vaccinated? <laughs> I think you guys all know the answer to this question, but yes, right? But in, according to the EOC, they, they talked about this. Employers must recognize, though, and comply with their duty to reasonably accommodate an employee's disability or sincerely held religious belief. So in in the podcast I did on the first piece of this vaccine, episode 29, I discussed the the pre-screening vaccination questions. Uh, and the issues related to the actual vaccine and, and how the EEOC is at least seeing it under their pandemic guidance. And what they're saying is it's not the COVID-19 vaccine that they, that even if it's administered by the employer or a third party that the employer contracts with to administer it, they, they're not actually seeing that as a medical exam. But they're saying that the pre-vaccine vaccine screening questions, which are, are required really in order for you to determine who can be vaccinated will likely elicit info about a disability. So, that's sort of a discussion I did have in that other podcast and when you're looking at that there certainly was a distinction by the EEOC that an employer engaging with a uh, contracting someone to come in and administer the vaccine or that the employer administering the vaccine, you know, has those concerns and needs to make sure that they try to determine, you know, and meet the standards of of whether or not you know there's going to be a business, um, a job related and consistent with business necessity requirement. Now, if if there's a requirement that the employee get vaccinated and they're able to go to like a pharmacy or healthcare provider, then the EOC distinguished that guidance, saying, "Hey, you know, then the employee uh, is not giving the information from the pre-screening questions to the employer or their contractor, and so they saw that as completely different and it does not apply." Uh, and you wouldn't have to have that job related and consistent with business necessity requirement under the ADA. So remember, if you bring someone on site, the contract with to administer the vaccine, you know that's okay, but if you require it to be mandatory, then you're you're gonna have to meet that job related and consistent with business necessity requirement according to the EOC right now. And because of that issue, your contractor, you know, um, it's because they may elicit disability info in the pre-screening process. So, and you may say look i'm not listening to anything the contractor ha- you know is taking in the screening pro- the, the eoc doesn't appear to care in the, in the guidance so don't think you can just excuse yourself away saying well i'm i'm not going to know anything that the contractor does that's not that wasn't even something that the eoc said would be okay even if the if there was a you know in the contractual <laughs> relationship that the employer wasn't engaged in that if you contracted with them to come in then that's that's the that's the key piece of what the eoc was saying there so But what about, let's talk about the accommodations for those claims of disability or sincerely held religious belief. So of course, when we're talking about the disability, we're talking about what the Americans with Disability Act requires employers to provide reasonable accommodations to qualified employees with a covered disability. So once an employer is aware there's a physical or mental limitation of a qualified individual, the employer engages in that, remember, interactive process. A reasonable accommodation to see if there there can be a reasonable accommodation to overcome those limitations. So, you know, and then absent, of course, the undue hardship issue. Now, Title Seven requires the reasonable accommodation of an employee or applicant's sincerely held religious belief. Right. So, absent undue hardship. Now, in Episode Thirty Two, I I did break down the religious belief, the sincerely held religious belief you know, request for accommodation a little bit more. So if you're interested in that, you can go back and visit that podcast episode. But, you know, if you are uh, starting to engage in this vaccination policy and, and rollout, and you do have individual employees, first of all, if you need to let them know that these are two, uh, the disability and sincerely held religious belief are things, especially if you're doing the mandatory, right, are exceptions for them to not get the vaccine. Uh, have a way and confidential way for them to inform someone that that they are going to be electing that, and then uh, asking for that type of accommodation. Then, what is the employer supposed to do? The EOC was very clear: explore the possible reasonable accommodation for those individuals, absent undue hardship, to reduce or eliminate the direct threat. You know that these individuals, you know, may. May these unvaccinated employees and their physical presence poses in the workforce. So, did the EOC give us a bunch of examples? No, not in its particular guidance, but you know, it, it's going to be the same thing that you're always looking at, you know, that we've been looking at. So, you know, these are difficult situations because these may not be telework positions that we're talking about, and it really depends on the type of job. And the ability to isolate the employee from other employees and members of the public. So it is sort of called an interactive process for a reason. And so that's sort of where the EOC wants the employer to go if they're faced with these issues that come out of the vaccination, you know, policy rollout of the employer, especially in the mandatory um, determination request for vaccination for the employee workforce. Another question that, that came up um, immediately when the discussion of the vaccine started uh, being approached by the EEOC was the, whether or not the Genetic Information Non-Discrimination Act, which um, prohibits discrimination on the basis of genetic information, wh- whether that was an issue with the vaccine. EEOC guidance said the vaccine alone does not violate Gina, but again, the questions could Regarding family history. So be aware of that potential pitfall, especially if you're involved with the pre screening question selections. Uh, but you would not want to delve into that uh, in an unnecessary way and expose that information. This isn't something normally that an employer should be trying to elicit from an employee. Another question is requiring mandatory vaccinations going to end having to follow all of this mask wearing and social distance requirements, you know, can you just throw it all the window, you you know, you vaccinated your workforce, you know, is it okay? So today it's it's not really going to make much of a difference in that way. I think that that a lot of information out there hasn't made that clear, but if you really read through what the guidance is saying is that and and if you talk to these medical professionals and see what they say after you get the vaccine, what what the guidance is is the vaccine isn't being touted as like 100% effective against preventing getting COVID. It's supposed to make it, from what they think, less dangerous if you get it. And it doesn't mean that those individuals that have the vaccine can't spread it to others, especially considering, you know, they may have less symptoms or no symptoms and mistakenly think because they have the vaccine that they have some full immunity and then, you know, not take these CDC guidelines serious anymore and therefore, you know, expose other individuals in the workforce. So, from what i've read there just doesn't seem to be a consistent medical consensus on this yet in the medical community and and th- that's why you keep seeing okay you get the vaccine but you still got to put a mask on you still got to social distance you still got to do these things and and so if if that was one of your compelling reasons to get and require you know the vaccine for your workforce you may need to put a hold on that until they get a better handle on what exactly they think and how effective this vaccine is. And they're just too early on. I think there's too many different opinions where you could really say, I think that the medical community is confident one way or another. So a few other items and pitfalls I I think that you want to look out for is other sources outside the EEOC. So we're going to probably be seeing further guidance from OSHA and they may delve into this vaccine issue. So keep an eye out for that. There's been some interesting proposed legislation across some of the states, uh, you know, some pushing for the mandatory vaccination, some trying to eliminate some of these, you know, exemptions from the vaccination, and then even the anti-vaccine movements. And something to keep an eye out as this all unfolds, and especially, you know, also thinking about if you have your employees involved in other types of agreements and they're not, you know, at well employees. So you have an employment agreement that speaks to anything related to conditions in the workplace. You may need to look at that or the collective bargaining agreements that an employer may have with an employee, and, you know, how those policies and procedures need to be handled. Another issue that I think that employers, you know, may need to think about as far as a pitfall would be like the wage concerns. You start hearing me talk a little bit about some of these employers that, you know, the idea that they'll be paying for the employees to obtain the vaccine during working hours, that that may all already be required to happen under the Fair Labor Standards Act, depending on, you know, exactly how it how it's all ruled out. But so think about whether if you're trying to incentivize, it may need to be something, an additional, you know, incentive of pay beyond the time spent actually getting the vaccine. Because that may be especially depending on how the employer's policy is written and how it rolls out that may be time worked that the employer would be required to pay anyway so it's not really an extra incentive so don't confuse those issues remember that's kind of out there and uh, you you'll need to work through that as you determine what your policy will be and then and then also The other big, really big pitfall that I want to just kind of close out here with is that banning the employee from entering the workplace if they refuse to take the vaccine, the EOC specifically addressed this in their guidance and said, look, you know, if an employer cannot reasonably accommodate an employee who refuses a vaccine due to a sincerely held religious belief or disability, then excluding the employee from the workplace is permissible. However, the EEOC guidance cautions, you know, employers that immediate termination may not be permissible. Note how that's sort of stated. Like if the employer can't reasonably accommodate. So that does not mean employee refuses to get the mandatory vaccine because of one of these reasons uh, and then you immediately exclude them from the workforce. You're gonna still have to do that interactive process. The EEOC is expecting it. So don't think that you can kind of slide through that and, and avoid the interactive process. And, and certainly you want to make sure that you have proof and evidence that you, you did engage in the interactive process with these employees. So, and, and termination is something, of course, to think about as well. If, if they truly have these, they're, they're claiming these two, one of these two reasons, because those have already been recognized by the EEOC. And so, you know, be very, very careful about, uh, whether or not um, termination is even a possibility as the EEOC states. So hopefully that leaves you a lot to think about as you ponder your next steps in your role in all of this. And remember that once a decision is made, because you got to make a decision at some point, I think it's, you know, if the employees have not already started asking, but, and maybe not because again, the vaccine isn't as widespread quite yet for everybody to get their hands on. But you're going to need a policy formed and some training generally. And that, that's going to be the best way to sort of make sure that everyone's consistent with how this rolls out. So uh, I hope you I hope you have a few, few things to think about there and, and enjoy this. And that's a wrap on Legal Skinny's episode: Should Employers Mandate Vaccines Part two. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Legal Skinny podcast. Do not forget to subscribe to get future podcast episodes. Also check out LegalSkinny.com to join our newsletter and get details on all the educational resources we offer the employer. Also, disclaimer, remember Legal Skinny is for entertainment and informational purposes only, not meant to provide legal advice and does not create an attorney-client relationship. Laws change or they differ by jurisdiction. So also remember, this is not a substitute for seeking legal counsel in your jurisdiction on the current law applicable to you.